Otherwise, you'd be hearing this jingle for hours because I'm not that bright. You know, I'm not going to go. I need leadership. Like LSU football, I need some leadership. We welcome you to Writer Than You on this holiday, the unofficial goodbye to summer. Sad goodbye it is. Tear in his eye, I guess, young Cinderella. Tear in his eye. About to become masters. Oh, we got all of that. Oh, we got all of that one. It's in the hole. So uh, we welcome you to CBS Sports Radio. Carlos Ortiz is, in fact, producing the program. Not that he's happy about it. No, he is. He's, he's fine. Crying. Two days in a row with me, though. That's not, I mean, that's, you know, that's not right. He could go in and, and make that complaint, and the jury would side with him. So that is, you know, something that's an option for him as time goes on. Uh, boy, <laughs> we are in the middle of it, aren't we? I mean, there is so much going on. Three men in the quarterfinals from the United States at the U.S. Open. Hopefully that uh, spurs a little more viewership and a little more interest nationally in a sport that used to be a lot of fun for people to discuss back in the day and has faded from national relevance for sure. And then you have what happened with Brian Kelly and LSU last night. And he is an example and there aren't as many as there used to be of uh, guys that people root against, including me. He just seems to be such a fraud and uh, a bad dude and a guy that, you know, I guess can coach a little football at times. Uh, they engineered some big wins, but they've now had four losses of 15 points or more, three of those four over more than 20 points, and they just got it handed to him last night in the second half, and it couldn't happen to a nicer guy. And uh, figures like Brian Kelly are good for sports because they do stir passion. We talk a lot about that on this show because in this inundation of coverage of everything, and the, you know, ad nauseum way in which we break down Aaron Rodgers, et cetera, uh, it, it becomes easy to – and look, Notre Dame, when he was there, is polarizing anyway. People are tired of hearing about Notre Dame as if it was the 90s or the 80s because, like the Dallas Cowboys, they haven't done anything since, and people just get exhausted by – uh, the continued uh, pedestal pushing of programs that have not recently deserved it. And then the way he entered LSU and what he said, of course, last week. I mean, who says that? What kind of head coach puts his, his himself and his players in a position, you know, that we're going to, whatever the quote was on the radio show, we're going to kick, you know, Florida State's butt, whatever the exact quote was, it really doesn't matter. He made it clear that they were going to win the game. And now when he didn't, he blamed the players. You know, we are not as good a football team as I thought we were. You've played one game. I mean, learn, I mean, but but you know what? He's been rewarded. Like so many others, he's been rewarded for being a jerk. And we reward a lot of people that are jerks, and you can't be overly proud of it. And it isn't... You know, it's not a great learning tool. It's not a great uh, lesson for kids. You know, we we exalt or exalt a lot of uh, bullies, uh, whether they're, you know, in this business, in talk show hosts, in 
in guys on the air that that just and news too, news and sports. Uh, but in business, you know, there's a lot of bullies in power uh, because character is not looked at; just bottom line is looked at. You know, can he win games? Uh, and and what will he do for our program from a one loss standpoint? And with Brian Kelly, I would say, you know, I mean, it doesn't matter. He's rich. He's older. He's, you know, we we tend to think, oh, it, you know, he's risking his job as if that's a really big deal. You know, I don't think it's a really big deal. It hurts his ego. But if Brian Kelly got fired tomorrow, he'd probably live a pretty good life under his own standards the rest of the way. So let's not hold any pity parties for his uh, situation or anyone else in his position that, you know, gets into coaching and understands that you could be fired at any time. But but you'll read a lot about, oh, Brian Kelly under pressure. Yeah, I guess, you know, maybe. But that pressure, like most pressure, is internal, not external. It's how he feels about it, not how we feel about it. And most of those bullies don't care what we think. Uh, So that's part of what their Teflon is and what what makes them less vulnerable. Uh, We're going to talk to Adam Lazarus next hour about uh, heroes that we – I mean, maybe that's too strong. Ted Williams certainly was strong-minded and had a lot of – uh, opinions and wasn't shy about giving them. But Ted Williams and John Glenn, uh, the astronaut and senator uh, from Ohio, obviously um, two, two revered Americans of the, 19th, of the 20th century, the 1900s, and uh, they struck an unlikely friendship while representing the United States in Korea. And that's why Ted's career was cut short and Ted never got to 3,000 hits despite being considered the greatest hitter of all time by many. But uh, Adam Lazarus has written a book called The Wingmen, and we will talk to Adam next hour, about an hour from now, uh, regarding that, that book and the impetus for the story and just what the highlights of it are. So give you a little preview. It sounds like, you know, I've looked at it. Uh, I have not read it through, but it is fascinating at its start at just how different these two guys were and the friendship that they were able to maintain anyway long after they came back from Korea. So we have that. Uh, We have the U.S. Open men. We have LSU getting its butt kicked and some very good performances in college football. We have baseball going topsy-turvy right now. If you are rooting for any of those teams, Toronto's inched closer and gotten into the conversation even further. And then you got the whole Texas, Houston, Seattle mess uh, that is uh, that is muddying up the waters in the American League and the National League Central and all that's going on there. While the Braves and the Phillies and the Dodgers wait, uh, everybody else is working hard, trying <laughs> trying to secure a spot, and maybe that'll be enough to save them. Because I, I do not think baseball, from a national level, is at all interesting to many people. They like their local team, they like their local race against their rivals, but nationally. They haven't been stirred by stars 
the way the NBA and NFL has marketed their stars so brilliantly has fallen uh, apart and never really occurred in Major League Baseball or in the NHL. They just haven't been able to make their players larger than life. And it's hurt them nationally in this short attention span world we live in. They uh, need to promote their best players better. Seems very regional to me right now. We'll see how the ratings do. And we know those markets will be locked in, the ones that are fighting for a playoff spot, and then eventually we'll be down to a dozen teams, and those dozen markets will be uh, locked in. And that's another reason you expand playoffs, right? College football next year goes to 12. We have one more year at four, and there'll be so many more people locked in as a result of going to 12. And, you know, that's where the money is. People uh, are active, not passive. And that's really the challenge with so many options with our free time. How do you make fans active and not passive? Right? And interesting, too, I I, I teased this on Twitter this morning. You know, fans and sports talk, uh, especially at the local level, and most of you listen to some local sports talk, too, um, you know, they often have very good insight on the team they're watching, what's wrong, what needs to be fixed, and we don't know as much as the people that are actually making the decisions, and most of us admit that, but boy, we're right a lot, and I think that is one of the reasons sports talk thrives, is that when you say a team needs an offensive line and the front office doesn't listen, and then the quarterback gets hurt in week three because of a bad offensive line, you're like, see? (laughs) How could you not know that? I knew that. And uh, as it comes to the Yankees, who swept the Astros for the first time since 2013, when it's, you know, and it's been meaningful every other time. This year it's not. So, of course, they sweep them. I'm sure that's what every Yankee fan is thinking this morning. But they, they've brought up all their kids, which fans have called for since the All-Star break or a little before that. Let's see these kids. All we see in these dry – Josh Donaldson and Rizzo with all of his struggles and – you know, let's get some uh, an infusion of, of youth, a little adrenaline, a little catalyst from players who are hungry and trying to prove themselves at the major league level. And if they fall, they fall. What difference does it make anyway? We don't look at all like a playoff team. We don't have the pitching for it, and uh, we're, we're just really struggling. Well, lo and behold, they're playing much better, but more importantly to the fans, they're getting what they want. And this kid, Jason Dominguez, 20-year-old, hits his second home run in three nights. They sweep the Astros, and the fans are sitting there. Where were these guys? You know, what were you so afraid of? And that's when sports talk sort of works a little bit is because people, you know, make observations that come true, and they're, they're almost astonished that the front office didn't see this coming to some degree. And look, when you bring up young players – Uh, you don't know what you're going to get, but it's okay. You know, the weird thing was, and I guess maybe they were thinking, you know, we've got a string of 30 years of being over 500. We don't want to blow that. I don't know what they were thinking, but they took a long time to admit the obvious that they were stale and broken and had not developed any players. And their fan base was tired of that. Their fan base wanted to know that somebody's coming because they had sold them other players in the past five years 
you know, and really when you think about it, Aaron Judge is the last outfielder that they developed, and I think before that, Brett Gardner. So it's really been a long drought, and that's why they are where they are. But when fans anywhere in any team in any sport, you know, call their local radio station, say they got to do something, and then they end up being right, it makes them feel better. Everybody wants to be right. So, of course, it makes them feel better, and, of course, they are uh, kind of rewarded mentally themselves by saying, see, I told you. And people like to say, you may have noticed this in your lifetime, see, I told you is very big, right? It's very big. Your wife, your girlfriend told you I was right again, you know, that kind of thing. Not that I have any experience, you know, not that I've ever heard that in my house. But I'm told that oftentimes, see, I told you, is uh, uttered many times in, in people's homes. You know, I'm not, I'm not saying, I'm just saying. Our phone number is 855-212-4CBS. We will do buy or sell later with Carlos. I don't know what he's got on the docket, but I like it that way uh, because I like to sell. I like to buy. I'm a consumer. And, you know, most of us are. That's what keeps the economy rolling. And and we'll find out what is on the mind. Uh, but I did find it satisfying, and I do find it interesting that Brian Kelly lost and that a lot of people were happy. And it and it's nothing against the LSU program or the LSU players, obviously. But some of his outrageous quotes about Notre Imagine Imagine Notre Dame is academics first. <laughs> Let's lament that. Uh, You know, let's lament that. I mean, my God. And yet, uh, he's speaking what a lot of people think in his profession. Like, I need more help from the academic side, from admissions, from the school president. I need, I need, I need, I need in order to compete. And... LSU gave him that, the way he puts it, and now he is bitter. And it's, I mean, it's fun to watch. You shouldn't be. We shouldn't uh, revel in anyone else's failure. But there's a human nature side to this that says, you know, it's, uh, it's like some of the, you know, disgusting stuff about Mitch McConnell, who is going through whatever he's going through. And, you know, in, at his age, et cetera. And uh, personally, just to share this so you understand, I'm not a Mitch McConnell fan. But I don't need to read or hear vitriolic negative things about someone's health in relation to their politics. And, and, and you know, somebody proud of themselves for tweeting out, this is Mitch getting what he deserves you know, it's just, I mean, there's a lack of humanity there. And it's interesting because the John Glenn, Ted Williams book uh, that we'll get into with author Adam Lazarus next hour, they were not politically aligned uh, in any way. And they were not aligned in a lot of ways, and yet their friendship forged in war uh, is the subject of this book, The Wingman, and, and one that, you know, we'll delve into a little bit when we have Mr. Lazarus on the air with us uh, in 45 minutes or so. So we look forward to that conversation. Uh, You've still got college football today, Duke and Clemson. Clemson in the weeds at number nine. 
We talked yesterday on the show about the rankings just being something to argue about and really set up to create passion and to stir passion. Of every 100 people that talk about the rankings, 98 of them are dissatisfied. Two of them say, yeah, they got us ranked about where we belong. And the other 98, oh, we're getting hosed. You know, we should be higher. We're better than them. How could they rank Team A over Team B when Team A lost to Team B in Week 2? And, you know, it's just designed. It has no purpose other than to create argument and to stir passion, much like Angel Hernandez. He has no purpose umpiring except for to create unity among the fans. You people don't, I mean, some of you do, but a lot of you don't understand that the C.B. Buckners and Angel Hernandez are are counterintuitively better for baseball than if they didn't have them. It It creates passion. It can't help but stir you. When somebody gets robbed of a of a of an obvious call and your team that you've been rooting for for two hours and eight minutes in front of your television set and you know it's the seventh inning and they make a ridiculous call you're you know you, if you have a pulse you're going to get angry it's pretty hard to control and that's the part that they provide for baseball and it's part of the reason they're still there. You know, there, there are many people who can't name any other umpires. Name baseball umpires. First one that people would name. Average baseball fan, Angel Hernandez. First one they'd name. Why? Because he's the worst one they know of. And obviously, if they asked who's the worst Major League Baseball umpire, they would tell you. But if you asked them who the best was, they'd have no clue. That tells you how the human being thinks. Right? You ask anybody, you ask the crowd at a game, you go through section 22, rows 4, 5, and 6, lower box seats, and you ask them, who is the worst umpire in baseball? And you will get the answer. Who is the best umpire in baseball? You probably don't get an answer. You probably don't get an answer through three rows of fans. And that's how we think. We're designed to... Tackle problems. We're negative. And your job, that Jimmy Buffett seemed to do so well, is to turn it into a positive while admitting it's a challenge. It is a challenge, but it's not one you can't conquer. It's just you got to be aware of it. You know, you want to be in a better mood? Get yourself in a better mood. Find a way around it. The world's not changing for you. And, uh, you know, off on a tangent, as I often am, but... Bottom line, we do revel in in some of these uh, failures because of the anger that's built up over time that Brian Kelly, for me and for others, has sort of invested in me, and now he's getting his. We need to break. I know. I know, Carlos. Get Get out of my grill. You're up in my grill. The man's in my grill, in my kitchen. 855-212-4227. Your call's next, CBS Sports Radio. Unofficial end of summer, Labor Day 2023. Chris Moore for Bill Ryder. Pat Boyle has an update bottom of the hour on what you might have missed. NFL just three days away, and you will be inundated with NFL coverage. And most of you will lap it up. You know, there's a reason they 
they overdose you on uh, the NFL, you like it. <laughs> and uh, you like to talk about it from every angle, fantasy, gambling, actual play calling, actual performances, all of it. And uh, the, the difficult thing now, like in our business, is to know which one's most important to you. We used to just focus on the games and maybe mention the spread, maybe not. Now you don't know if you're serving your audience if you don't reference the over-under, reference the the spread in the game, et cetera, what the country is thinking about the game. You're not sure whether your audience wants to know that first and about the game second or vice versa. So it's a it's an odd time as we kind of transition into more of a gambling on sports nation from your phone in many cases in most states. So And more states coming online along that way. So it's uh, – it's a change a little bit for us, and you guys will definitely let us know over time what's most important to you when we are talking about games. But let's face it, when the play is quality, the line takes care of itself in a lot of ways, and if the team you're betting on plays well, they'll probably cover. I mean, that's generally how it works. Uh, it still comes down to how they actually play. And then the score is a reflection most times, not always, but most times the score is a reflection of just how they played. To the phones at 855-212-4227, our friend Spike in St. Petersburg. Hi, Spike. Hey, Chris. Uh, much respect. You're working with two Cubs fans today. That's an interesting uh, combination. They are on their uh, toes right now, and they are uh, aware of the schedule and aware of what it's going to take. and hoping for the best for their cubbies. Yeah, very, very uh, interesting if you're a baseball fan. Well, I don't want to embarrass you, but I'm, uh, I'm not going to. But I'm going to say some, some hosts, uh, you know, jog the mind a little. Some take a stand and others stand on a take. And then there are others like you that uh, are your fans and, and people that even if they just, you know, move over the dial and bump into you. They kind of stay with you because you can jog the mind a little bit. The four teams I thought uh, with the issue last night with LSU, and I've been to one game in my life there. One of my boys went to, it was a Gator, and uh, he says, you got to come with me. Baton Rouge on a Friday night. Uh, experience I'll never forget. I never saw more beer drunk anywhere in the world. It's like an October <laughs> pass. It's, it's ridiculous. It's dangerous, too, a little bit. i got to tell you that. Anyway, the Yankees the Cowboys, Notre Dame, Duke, and any other team in a rivalry, you know, Ohio State, Michigan, Auburn, Alabama, I think that, you know, the, the opposite team that you're rooting for would be construed as, uh, you know, teams that are disliked or loved. Did I say the Cowboys? Yeah, Cowboys, Yankees. You did. Notre Dame. Yeah, that, that's, pretty, that's pretty much what I grew up with. And habits are tough to change, no, what, no matter what the nuns in, in elementary school taught my wife. Very difficult to change. <laughs> so, so guys like you and I, you know, uh, I could say to you, uh, we're not normal, we're morons, and I'm not insulting you, right? Correct. Okay. So Amalgamated know, association of morons. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's a good one. See, if, if people are listening to those fans, it's a Three Stooge reference, and uh, I dare anybody, and I'm sure I'll get blown back on it, that uh, if you're feeling lousy, 
or whatever it is, or you're angry, your team lost, or you had a fight, or you got bad news, throw the boys on for a half hour. It could be stupid to you, but I guarantee you that uh, it'll make you feel a little bit better. So it's great that you've been on two days in a row. And looking at the bottom of the Yankees lineup last night, the last four or five, I think starts with Volpe and going down. That should have been done a month ago. You agree? Yeah, and I think most uh, Yankee fans are very – look – the frustrating part about today, Spike, and always appreciate your calling in, is that we don't get answers. You know, he needed a day. Why is Josh Donaldson still playing? Well, we, you know, we think he gives us the best option there. They just say whatever they want, and we don't have any retribution. We don't have any way of finding out. So then when they change and it works out as it in the early results, very early, of bringing up kids at some of these teams uh, who have fallen out of it and are now looking at their prospects, when it works out, you know, there, there's no joy in I told you so, really. I mean, th- there's no, you know, you, you're angry because you never got the answers that you wanted to get. And because the guys making the big money are underperforming and the hungry guys can't get on the field. And they don't give you a legitimate answer. They don't come to you and say, look, this is what we're actually thinking. You can trust us. Like most of us right now don't know who runs our baseball teams. We don't know what the manager does now. Does he make the lineup? Does he decide who's active and who isn't? Does he decide what positions guys play? What does he do? Does he do something different in New York than they do in Boston or in Baltimore or in Tampa or in Oakland? What is the job description? Take the analytics and make your decision or just do what we tell you and run the, the game between the lineup cards and the last pitch. We'll take care of the rest. They never tell us. So we're left to speculate. So it's fire Boone, fire Showalter, fire whoever. And it may be accurate that those guys are incompetent, have done a bad job. It may be that their hands are tied most of the time. But we don't know. In an age of information, we don't know anything anymore. They don't tell us anything anymore. And whether they ever did is a matter of opinion. But now it just seems worse than ever and the media are in bed with them for the most part so when they say oh we just thought he needed a day they take the answer and go to the next question Uh, Aaron Boone can say we struck out 18 times last night but the rest of the you know I thought our other at-bats were very competitive what you're going to take that as an answer and move to the next question I mean where's your spine so bottom line is look there are 10% of fans who are passionate enough to really want that answer, like I do. And 90% aren't. They call themselves fans, but they're really just observers. They're kind of paying attention on the back of their mind, but they got a lot of other stuff going on, and sports is just a small piece of their daily pie. For you guys out there listening to Sports Talk Radio, it's a much bigger piece of your daily pie. It's a much bigger piece of your life and your uh, leisure time And you get passionate about it. So you're invested in it. But for most fans, they're not invested in it. And so these answers, oh, we just thought he needed a day. They go in one ear and out the other. Oh, that's fine. Okay. Just thought he was a little tired. That's it. I mean, we just take it. It's kind of sad in a way. All right, more phone calls? Yes, we have them. Uh, More opportunities to vent and yell and scream? Absolutely. More time to make fun of Carlos, our producer? Do it every day. It's therapeutic. And now, speaking of guys you make fun of, 
Here's our update with Pat Boyle. Chris Moore for Bill Ryder on this Labor Day. Hope you're enjoying the weekend, have enjoyed the weekend, and will stretch out this summer as long as the weather and your situation allows it to be stretched out. Uh, certainly warm enough in a lot of places. Most of the country is still very hot and in for a hot week, so that will make it seem uh, longer in that regard, and that's not all bad because the fall and winter will get here. It always does. And the football season also will get here, and that begins Thursday night. A much-hyped Detroit team that most people will have to see to believe is as good as people are trying to make that team. Uh, And obviously Kansas City without Chris Jones, but still Kansas City and still entertaining uh, from a viewer standpoint. So we we have that going for us, and we look forward to that. Uh, Back to the phones. Gary is in Jacksonville. He's up next on CBS Sports Radio. Hi, Gary. Hey, Chris. Happy Labor Day. Same to you. you. You know that comment you read about Mitch McConnell? It's like my mother taught me very young. All, all you're succeeding in doing is demeaning yourself. So, I agree. I, I really do. I, th- I just think taking uh, joy in other people's demise isn't the way that you represent yourself as a good human being. That's all. It's, it's just a Christian attitude. Let's put it that way. It's just not a good – I mean, it's and it's and it's unpleasant and it – and, it, you know, anytime you're enjoying more in failure than you are in success, there's something wrong. Absolutely. And, and, and Chris, I want to get your take about uh, who in the NFL, who you may think is, uh, whether you want to go underrated or overrated. And I'm going I'm to have a view. It's not going to be very popular here in my neck of the woods. But I think a team that's overrated is the Jags. And I'll give you four reasons why. Number one, they didn't do very much in free agency at all. Number two, the division was legendary putrid last year. It has to be better. Number three, lack of a pass rush, especially with Devon Hamilton. They really, really have Josh Allen maybe, and that's it. The teams have to account for. And number four, they're going to be playing a first-place schedule, so they're not going to sneak up on anybody this year. So that, that's just my opinion. I think I, I'm looking at them at 7-10. and 10. Who? Give me a, a pick of yours, an overrated or an underrated team, please. Okay, uh, Gary. I, look, I, I will say this about Jacksonville. They um, are in a division that has a lot of teams trying to prove themselves this year and and a lot of angst around those teams. So they are in a good position to not have to play great early and kind of figure it out. The first place team deal isn't really relevant anymore. It just isn't. I mean, you've got 14 games that are already decided for you before, like the 2028 season. Uh, Jacksonville knows 14 of its of its 17 opponents in 2028 already, regardless of whether they go 17 and 0 or 0 and 17. So, to me, uh, you know, I'm not going to get caught up in the fact that their schedule may be a little tougher. I think with injuries, et cetera, those things are always hard to predict. And outside of four or five teams, uh, there's a lot to be proven. You know, the Bills, the Chiefs, the Bengals, the Eagles, those are teams that, you know, that, that I think it's fair to say you'd rather not play. You'd rather avoid them on your schedule especially if, for whatever reason, they need the game. I guess one of my sleepers would be the Packers. I think people are writing them off too soon. Uh, I don't think that they're, 
you know, by any means world beaters. But really, when you're asked these questions, and which is why I don't do a lot of uh, full season prognosticating, you're really asking about, you know, will they be relevant in December? Will these teams be relevant in December? Who are we not talking about that we will be talking about is basically his question. And I think it's a fair question in that regard. Uh, I, I think the Cowboys get the same hype every year. It's hard to jump on their wagon. The Vikings are interesting to me, too. You know, I think that NFC North um, will merit watching. I don't know how great the football will be, but I I think it's hard to say there's a team there that is 100% out of it already. Uh, and look, with only four teams in every division, the genius marketing of the NFL, you know, somebody's in first place, <laughs> somebody's in second place. Uh, there's 16 of those teams, and that's if there aren't ties between those teams. You know, meaning that every week of the regular season, 20 teams or so are in first or second place. I mean, uh, because between ties and and uh, eight divisions – you know, 16 is the minimum. It's usually 20 or 21 teams are either in first or second place in their division in any one week of the NFL season. So it's it's hard to overreact. And, and it's uh, fun for fans that it always has been to prognosticate about what will happen during a season. But I find in this age of injury, it's uh, a fool's game. It might be fun to play it, but it's still a fool's game. Zach in Michigan up next on the Bill Ryder Show. Hi, Zach. What's going on? All good. So I uh, I just wanted to talk about the whole Brian Kelly thing and, and, and LSU's demise. Now, I, I, as a Notre Dame fan, I was a Notre Dame fan. I am a Notre Dame fan. And I have friends at LSU who, who were stoked to get this guy. Um, right. You know, fans. They they were so excited. I I just wanted to say, Brian Kelly is obviously they call him Big Game Brian for a reason. He is not the coach that everybody thought he is. The guy can't win big games because he doesn't make adjustments. He has a plan. He always has a plan. If you see Notre Dame when he was there, execute his plan, they won. But what do good teams do? Notre Dame was about five hundred percent. With good teams, and what do good teams do? They make adjustments. Brian Kelly cannot make adjustments in the SEC. You will constantly see him struggle to make adjustments, and there's no way that he ends up bringing LSU a championship in the next five, ten years. Well, I think it's fair to say that if you look at his record, and I also think it's fair to say that uh, that game was won at halftime last night with the adjustments. They were. Florida State was awesome in the second half. They were dynamic. They were exciting. They were uh, rolling with confidence. You could feel the flow of the game. And the LSU kids, you know, I don't want to say they quit, but they, I mean, I don't mind saying it. It's not like I'm afraid of saying it. I just don't want to wrap them all under one umbrella and say they quit. But clearly, the air went out of their excitement about playing football in that fourth quarter. And they knew they were beaten. And they just wanted to get off the field at the end of the game. And that's a sign, you know, that you're thoroughly whipped, that you just can't wait for it to end. And in a top ten matchup, when one of the teams can't wait for it to end because they are so disappointed and, and embarrassed, you've, got, you've done something. And, um, you know, I, I really think Florida State – 
was able to impose its will on them in the second half. But I am not somebody who overreacts to week one. I know the Colorado story was a lot of fun. I have no idea where uh, Colorado will finish uh, this year in ranking of college football teams or in, you know, the sense of TCU and how good they really are uh, this time around, like what, what makes them, um, you know, what they <clears throat> hoped to be from last year. Do they bounce back or, you know, was last year a bit of a fluke and is this group overrated or was it overrated in the preseason out of respect for what they did last year we're going to find out but uh mike norvell man he he is making a name for himself uh you know he's only 41 years old uh coaching florida state and he could be you know something special there over time should he get the program back the way it seems to be and i'm talking personnel now I'm not overreacting to the win. It's a great win. And, you know, Colorado's was a great win. But it's one game. And it isn't necessarily indicative of anything about how the Florida State football season will turn out, except for the potential is there, and you just upped the ante now, as you have in Colorado. You know, the expectations quickly turn. We move the bar as sports fans very, very quickly. We move the bar very quickly. That's why... You know, we don't have any sympathy for a failing Met-Yankee-Padre team that set their fans up with expectations that they didn't come close to reaching. You know, too bad. This is what you pay when you set the bar this high. Brian Kelly found that out at Notre Dame, and now he's going to find it out at LSU. You set the bar high, uh, your opportunities to fail are much more numerous and they're much more public, and they're much more scrutinized. And he's dealing with all of that right now after just one game. But it was the way the game played out. And as the caller just said, and a lot of us do this, and I'm one of them, you know, show me what you can do at halftime. Like We're talking about uh, the New York football teams in the NFL and their young coaches and what happens when they're in big spots competing late in the playoffs or for a playoff position, let's say, and how will their coaches do in the two-minute drill at the end of the half, the two-minute drill at the end of the game, and the halftime adjustments? Because when you are not in it, that pressure is different. It's like trying to evaluate your favorite baseball team after the call-ups are made. If you want to take the month of September – and pretend that, oh, did you see how well the kids played in September? We're going to be really good next year. Go ahead. They're hoping you'll do that in the front offices of these places. But it isn't the same as playing the way the Cubs and the Reds and the Astros and the Mariners and the Rangers and and uh, so many teams, Arizona, so many teams are playing right now. The Giants, they're under pressure. There are big at-bats every night in the month of September until they either clinch or they're eliminated. And that's where you learn about players. You know, that, that's where the real answers come from games that matter, that games were, that are under scrutiny. You, uh, 
you'd like to think that the kids, like the Yankees, for example, last night playing Houston. Well, Houston is struggling. And they need, you know, they're not locked in yet. So they needed to win. So you'd think with a good pitcher on the mound like they had last night at Javier that you are learning about Jason Dominguez and Pereira and Peraza and Volpe and uh, Wells, that, that they're all, you know, uh, under the pressure of Houston's pressure, not even the Yankees' pressure, but Houston's pressure to do well, that they're seeing the best in their opponent. Uh, all their games in September won't be that way. There'll be other teams that are out of it like they are that they'll be playing, and that will be a tough evaluation. But bottom line is your fan bar is largely based on what you say. And if Brian Kelly's going to come out and say we're going to kick their butts this week in his radio show on Wednesday and then get it handed to him in the second half on Sunday, you know, I got no sympathy for him. If you want to publicly come out and say that, and then I don't like, and, and this is why Brian Kelly is abrasive and is polarizing, you know, we're not as good a football team as I thought we were. That may be true, but you take the hit. You know, I didn't do a good a job of getting them ready as I needed to, but that would come from a confident guy, and I'm not sure how confident Brian Kelly really is. Like, I think he knows X's and O's, but I don't know that he knows people well enough, and I don't know, you know, he has a really bad record in big games, 3-10, and 10, I think, against top 10. Uh, he, he just doesn't have his kids rise to the occasion very often, and what happened at halftime isn't going to give those kids confidence going forward because the adjustment battle was clearly won by Mike Norvell and Florida State. Ted Williams. John Glenn, the wingman. We talk about it when we come back, CBS Sports Radio.